news and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, Dow Jones down 470 points, S&P down 58, NASDAQ down 140 across the board, about 1.4% for the Dow and the S&P, 1.15% from the NASDAQ. Uh, The reason why I bring this up is where are we headed as a country? The federal government is going to meet apparently in a a week or two or a couple of weeks, I should say, um, June 1st, so a month from now. The meeting between Kevin McCarthy and President Biden will take place about the debt ceiling. We're over $31 trillion, almost $32 trillion in debt. Um, We are concerned about not being able to pay our bills. And uh, I bring that up because – Bernie Sanders was talking with Chris Wallace on HBO, and Bernie Sanders believes that billionaires should be capped off on how much money they're allowed to make, and then every penny over a billion should be taxed at 100%, and the government should get it. What is it, and I mean this sincerely, and especially to anybody out there that thinks this is a viable option, what has the government ever done with the tax dollars of the American people? How have they shown any sense of responsibility with our tax dollars? If you are on one side of the aisle, you don't like the way the other side of the aisle spends the money and vice versa. But they are inefficient across the board. Um, He takes the Walton – Bernie Sanders takes the Walton family to task. I'm going to get into a little bit of that. But he believes that we could have – a good economy without uh, people having the majority of wealth in our country. He believes that the federal government should be intervening. This is the when he talks about being a socialist and he is. He's not a Democrat. He caucuses with the Democrats and then he registers as a Democrat when he runs for president. But he is not a Democrat. He is a socialist. And that this is by his affirmation, not by me name calling. And um he the question I'm, I'm jumping around in the the order of things, but this is Bernie Sanders telling Chris Wallace about capping off the amount of wealth an individual can have. Are you basically saying that once you get to nine hundred and ninety nine million dollars, yeah. that the government should confiscate all the rest? I'm saying that we should go back to a very progressive tax policy, like what we had under Dwight D. Eisenhower, which would mean that that after. Over yeah. a billion dollars, basically, yeah. it all goes to the government. Fine, you may disagree with me, but I'm I just said, asking. Well, fine. Yeah, I think people can make it on nine hundred, you know, ninety-nine million dollars. I think that they can survive just, just fine. That's, and that's terrific. I agree with him. People can survive just fine. But isn't it interesting about it's what he believes and what people like him believe? I, I, I heard somebody once say, "Isn't it fascinating that a socialist can survive, can even thrive in a capitalist society, but a capitalist can't thrive in a socialist society?" This is about what they think. What they believe you're entitled to, what they think you should be able to have, and it's totally up to them. Sanders used to go after millionaires until he became one, and now he only goes after billionaires. His amount of wealth is obscene to many people, and he even, in response to someone about becoming a multimillionaire, says, you write a book, you millionaire too. How many houses does he own? Does he need all those houses? There are some environmentalists that would say that that's way too many houses. You're damaging the environment. I'm going to go to another level with this. Anybody out there that thinks that the sliding scale of our taxes is a good idea, um, let me explain to you. If the world were to have this worldwide government that some people want, that there would be a tax on wealthy nations to help poor nations, that poor Americans would be paying. 
that poverty and being at the poverty level or even at lower income levels in the United States is considered to be wealthy in many other countries. Would you be would you be willing to have your wages taxed because another place in the world thinks, well, look at you. You have a car. You have a cell phone. You have, you know, the average American household has more televisions than people. The average American, especially if you just go screens, forget about just televisions. What about screens, tablets, laptops? The average American household is far exceeded in screens than they are people. There's more screens than people in the average American household. And uh, so we are considered wealthy throughout the rest of the world. So poor Americans in this country that are fighting this wealth gap that are saying that wealthy people should be taxed at a much higher rate. I can uh, there are multiple ways to defend against that by saying that the federal government that you keep turning to believing that if they tax wealthy people, somehow your life is going to get better. Has it? Has your life gotten better? They've been lying to you like this for decades, and you continue to fall for it. The idea of class wealth or warfare is silly. So does Bernie Sanders want to change capitalism? This is a little bit more of an extended cut. It's not only that so many of our people are struggling. It's that so many of our people can't afford health care. They can't afford prescription drugs. They can't afford child care. They can't afford to go to college. Is that really what the United States of America should be about? But you can do a lot of that and not basically upend capitalism. It's not upending capitalism. There are countries around the world that have vibrant capitalist societies that provide health care to all of their people. Right. That make sure that you have a minimum wage, which is a livable wage. I, don't, I, I'm not arguing with you about that. Okay, don't but, hear me saying, and I'm not. You read the book. I'm not saying that the government should be nationalizing every mom and pop store in the country. Of course I'm not saying that. You want vibrant entrepreneurs. You want small, medium-sized, and large businesses to succeed. But we need to create a culture in this country which says that, you know what, it's not so great and not a good idea that some people have 100, 150 billion, a family has 200 billion dollars when so many people are struggling. We can do better. That's absurd. The, the, you're going to take, what's going to happen? So I want to know, honestly, if you take half of the wealth from billionaires, take half of it away from them, um, away from them every year. There's somebody who's worth 50 billion. You scrape 25 away. How is it going to fix the lives of anybody? It hasn't done it yet. We continue to hear this nonsense and it never gets fixed. The federal government cannot balance its books. The federal government that Bernie Sanders has been a big part of for a very long time has been wasting your money to the tune of trillions of dollars for years. The, the, the DOD and an audit, they can't even answer an audit. They can't tell you where billions of dollars of equipment has been given to non-governmental organizations to do their jobs. They can't account for that money, and yet Bernie Sanders believes it is rich people that are the bane of our existence in this country. As a matter of fact, there is an argument to be made that if the government got out of the way with the restrictions and regulations and taxation, the cost of a lot of items would go down. As a matter of fact, how were your gas prices for the four previous years before the Biden administration? When we deregulated, when things were made easier for oil companies and we became energy independent and had a bigger seat at the table when it came to the price of oil on a worldwide market. Gas prices were under $3 a gallon. Incomes of the federal government with more regulations going after the oil companies and getting rid of these subsidies that they called it and what happened 
We've seen nothing but an increase in prices. And this is coming from someone that sent the, spent the vast majority of his life poor or working class. The vast majority of my life. I was paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth, lived in a family with three boys and a single mom in an empty refrigerator some days. This is not about being born with a silver spoon. This is about what works for everybody. The federal government is not and never has been the answer to poverty, ever. The idea that it's us against them is the biggest fantasy in our country. Coming up in a moment, uh, ethics complaints filed against uh, the Bible-hiding legislator in Arizona. I'll give you an update on that story coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, another reminder to get the hottest ticket in town. We've got Suns playoff tickets available. If you'd like to register to possibly win a pair, just text the ticket to 411-923 starting tomorrow during the 7 a.m., 11 a.m., and 4 p.m. hours. We will call a different name in each of those times. You hear your name, you call in, you win. At least you'll be registered to win, I should say. Ticket to 411923. There you go. Um, an ethics complaint was filed. If you didn't hear the story, there was a there there is a Democrat legislator. Her name is Stephanie Stahl Hamilton. She's a Democrat from Tucson. She is also, I believe, an ordained minister, according to her bio. Um, and she was hiding Bibles that were in the lounge at the state legislature in the in the House office building. Um, so the way this is set up, there is a place where members can go to relax. Now, you can go in there as a guest, and I've been in there as a guest, but you have to be escorted in by a member. But it's where the members go to hang out, relax in, in the, the, the house office building. And uh, they had a couple of Bibles on some tables in there. And so this legislator went in and started hiding them. One was found in a refrigerator. Some were found under cushions of the couch. And when they put cameras in to find out who was doing this, they caught her doing it. She apologized and said she didn't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. It was her protest of the separation of church and state. And so now a few Republicans – Justin Heap of Mesa, David Marshall of Snowflake, and Lupe Diaz of Benson. Um, Diaz and, and Marshall work as church pastors. Wait, wait, what? You mean we have pastors in the state legislature? I thought we had the separation of church and state. How could you possibly be a pastor and be in the government? Has that ever happened before? Um, yeah, I'm being just a little sarcastic. Um, our history in this country is filled With the church influence in government, it's the other way around that was never intended. In other words, our government cannot choose one religion over another. Our government cannot force its citizens to worship one religion or believe in one religion uh, or adhere to one religion. They cannot choose one religion of preference. We even make room in our society that is theistic and believes in a creator for atheists. Their atheists are allowed to flourish here. It's not against the law to be an atheist. Um, But you're allowed to believe whatever you want. As a matter of fact, your belief is protected to the point that our First Amendment says that your right to worship any way you see fit cannot be infringed. They cannot stop you. You can pray wherever you want. You can do whatever you want when it comes to your religious beliefs. 
Now, as far as why is it only Bibles there, I don't know the answer to that question. And would it bother me if the Quran was right next to the Bible? I think it would be amazing. I would love to see a Bible, a Quran, and a Torah all side by side or on the bookshelves down at the state legislature. I think that would be incredible. It would be a, a great thing down there. But there's an ethics violation. It's an ethics complaint filed against her. Um, she's a Presbyterian minister, earned a Master's of Divinity at Princeton um, at the Theological Seminary. So what's fascinating to me about this in, the entire thing is this is just me talking. I wouldn't sign on to this ethics complaint if it were me, um, especially if I were a member of the legislature and I was a pastor of a church. Um, I would have a private conversation, especially with someone that – has the theological knowledge of the person that did this, I would I would want to have that doctrinal conversation. And she's already apologized. I believe her that she apologized. I don't agree with her about the separation of church and state. I think it's an absurd thing to say. But we've got bigger fish to fry down at the state legislature. And I think that we should be majoring on the major things. And there are some people that – the Bibles are back. They did an investigation. They found out who did it. That person apologized. What? I don't know what more you need. Um, I just this is the part where on both sides of the aisle, sometimes it happens. You get your feathers ruffled, and so then you start going down this legal road. We just had a member expelled recently that everybody agreed on both sides of the aisle. Our vast majority of people on both sides of the aisle believed that an expulsion was necessary. That's the way the body is supposed to work. This is something where somebody did something stupid, then immediately apologized. It seemed like a heartfelt apology. But in the end, why don't we have the conversation, and it would be a great one, to if you are truly in the spirit of, of working together, you've got pastors from the Republican Party who are upset about this, and a pastor on the other side of the aisle that did it, why wouldn't you set up that church and state debate and have that conversation for the people of Arizona to learn something? Why does it turn into this kind of adversarial thing? That, to me, is the issue. You could turn this into a positive experience for people, and instead this is the road we're going down. It's going to be a waste of time. It's going And at a time when we know this budget fight is going to go on for a long time with the governor, I just think that it's something that is not necessary is all. Uh, by the way, we are, we've just heard the schedule is that I guess the president is scheduled to speak at 11 a.m. our time regarding troops at the border. And so we are going to carry that live. Download the KTAR News app and you'll be notified immediately when the president begins to speak. And you can even listen live from your device when that happens. So that will happen around 11 a.m. Coming up in a moment, we had a conversation with somebody from the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association today about an attack on a Phoenix police officer. We'll give you details next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here, as always. At an interview this morning with Daryl Crippling, he is the plea president, Phoenix Law Enforcement Association. It is the union for the rank-and-file police officers in the city of Phoenix. Dangerous job. Talk about them all the time. A lot of respect for policing, whether it's Phoenix or any other agency. As a matter of fact, I had a great conversation on Saturday night with the uh, an assistant chief from Glenn. 
Hill. And it was a very interesting conversation because I, I don't have a lot of I have a contact with Glendale PD, but just an interesting conversation at an event Saturday night. Well, on Sunday, a Phoenix police officer was brutally attacked. Um, and there are a couple of things about this that are enraging, in my opinion. And um, I want to talk about those because this cop was flagged down uh, in reference to a domestic violence situation. A woman flagged him down. And when he had a conversation with her, um, the suspect pulled up. And I don't know all what led up to it, but this police officer was sucker punched and knocked out um, by the suspect. But I want you um, to hear as Daryl explains um, how this officer was attacked. He was waved down. Uh, he was thrust into a position, uh, which which it's common. I mean, we get waved down a lot uh, about crimes in progress or things that happen, um, and we deal with it. Um, well, the suspect showed up at this at this incident, and originally he he started to comply and, and asked to be taken into custody, and immediately changed his mind. And when the officer reengaged, he turned around and sucker punched him, and, and which rendered him unconscious. That first punch rendered him unconscious, and he he fell to the ground. So after that first punch, when he was knocked out, this is what happened. This lawless individual decided to straddle our officer and just continue to rain down punches on his head, creating such a severe injury to him. You know, and then when he was tired from from punching him, he decided to give him one more face stop with his foot before running off. It was horrific. Yeah, he was his face was stomped. Um, the suspect has pleaded to it. He was charged with a felony, but pled it down, I believe, to a misdemeanor, but then was arrested. And the county attorney's office asked for there to be a $100,000 cash bond at his first appearance. Um, they, I guess they call it an IA, an initial appearance. The county attorney's office, because of the severity and the brutality of the attack, asked this judge or commissioner, whatever they're called, a, a $100,000 cash bond. And here's what happened. He was charged. Uh, he was put into, into jail. And the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, to their credit, was asking for a $100,000 cash bond on this guy. I mean, the level of violence that, that he inflicted on this officer was like nothing we'd ever seen. At least I've never seen. Um, and then to just add insult to injury, the, the Maricopa County Commissioner, whose name is Ken Skiff, set the bond at a shockingly low 60000 dollars secured appearance bond, which essentially, with 10% of 60000 this gentleman, not gentleman, this suspect can get out of jail. So if he can come up with six grand, he gets to walk until his trial. And then we'll see, is the county attorney's office going to plea this down? There is body cam foot, footage of this. Um, and so the brutality of this attack, I want you to think in any situation, what human being um, now when you do it to a police officer, at least in years past, if you if you attacked a police officer with this kind of any kind of brutality. But if you if you were willing to attack the police, you were thought of being one of the scariest people on the street, because if you were willing to do it to a cop, you'd do it to anyone. But take out the uniform for just a moment and anybody one punch knocked out straddle that person and pummel their face and then when your hands get tired from punching stomp on that person's face before running away that's what the body camera shows happened uh, this officer was incapacitated with the first punch if this guy was trying to get away he had every opportunity to get away this was more than just an assault on a police officer. This was, if you're asking me, it was an attempted murder, especially when you stomp on somebody's face when they're out cold. But um, 
what now happens? So I asked him about this because he was upset. He said, you know, people need to, the citizenry needs to take a stand. Anybody who lives in a, in, a uh, in, in society should be incensed by the level of callousness and the uncontrolled rage that this suspect displayed and attacked our officer with. I mean, this is not an uncommon thing. We have, you know, officers assaulted every day. But to the level of depravity that this this suspect acted, it, it's unconscionable. And, and I think that the, the people... People who support the police, support law and order, should stand up and and be be vocal about this. This is not what we accept in our community, that we won't accept this in our community. When you see these kinds of attacks, and there is a difference. You know, people get into fights all the time. Uh, we understand that just citizens fight. Uh, I want you to think of the difference. If you are, if someone, if someone comes at you and somebody wants to fight, and you re- defend yourself, and you hit somebody and you knock them out, um, we all would say you would self defense. Now, in this case, this wasn't self defense. But even if you're the one that's attacked, but if you were to fight back and then knock somebody out, and after you knock that person out, if even if they started the fight and you were then to continue to punch them while they were on the ground and then stomp their face do you think that there would be any kind of criminal charge against you that you just took it too far you know what the answer to that is and so do i this is a situation that none of us should tolerate and as you heard uh daryl say the county attorney's office was asking for a one hundred thousand dollar cash bond because of the pure brutality in this attack on a police officer And for whatever reason, a judge decided to be lenient and allow this person off on a much lighter bond, a $60,000 bond, which he could only put up six. If he put up 10 percent, he could walk out of jail. So you come up with six grand and you can walk out of jail. Um, This is uh, when I talk when you talk about morale of the police. This is the kind of thing that's demoralizing. And the reason why is because you have a system in place. The police officers have to work with the prosecutors and the prosecutors have to work with the judges. And when any part of that system breaks down, if a police officer messes up on the chain of custody with evidence, you could lose a case. When a prosecutor messes up on something or when we've seen it happen years ago with the former prosecutor or the uh, county attorney where there were cases that didn't get filed in in a timely manner, and so they lost the case. Or you have a judge, for whatever reason, I cannot possibly... And I've, I've seen uh, some stuff floating around um, through some other channels where I saw a picture of this officer. I believe it's this officer. I can't prove it. I mean, I've seen it. It was someone that sent it to me and said, this is what happened to a Phoenix cop. Um, that... You could have that kind of evidence in front of you and make a decision to put a lenient bond on this person. The system is breaking down in one of these areas. Uh, I'm not someone that calls for protests and screaming and yelling, but at some point, the citizens of Phoenix have to stand up and say enough is enough. And if we do, I guarantee you our voices are going to be heard. If we stand up and say this kind of behavior, especially against law enforcement, makes this guy – he was already being accused of domestic violence. He's already you know, suspected of being someone that hurts people close to him. And now he did this to a cop and he's going to get out for 6000 bucks. At what point do we stand up and say this is absurd and it's not something that should continue to happen? In a minute, we're going to talk about regulation and we're going to talk about things done for what we consider to be a good reason. But is it really helping? We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong Valley. 
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here. Uh, a, a little bit of a clarification. Coming up at 11 o'clock, the Department of Defense of the Pentagon will be talking about troops at the border. We're going to be running on that. We'll, we'll give, bring you updates as soon as they happen. We've got statements we're going to go over from the White House just after 11 o'clock. Jeff is on top of this. The rest of the KTAR news team is all over this. There's 1,500 um, troops will be added to the border, and that is an executive order from the White House. More details will be coming out as the morning goes on. Um, I... I, I Printing out a bunch of stories about the – I talk about regulation quite a bit because I think we get overregulated. It adds to a lot of expenses that people don't necessarily realize. But I've got some headlines. Biden's Cold War. Anti-air conditioner regulations keep piling up. California is the first in the world that will ban new diesel trucks. Um, there is uh, gas leaf blowers and lawnmowers are shockingly bad for the planet. Bans are beginning to spread. Um, so by 2036, California is going to ban the sale of diesel trucks. And then there is this headline. And I like the way it's written. What an El Nino could mean, could mean for food prices. Not will mean, could mean. A looming El Nino, an ocean atmosphere phenomenon that shifts temperatures and changes rainfall patterns, could lead to a decline in U.S. agriculture production. It also could lead to an increase in U.S. agriculture production. If you remember the weather conditions that were predicted in October of last year that said the winter months in around the desert southwest were going to be completely dry, miserable conditions that were going to exacerbate the drought that we were already feeling. And what we got was one of the wettest winters we've ever recorded. Not only were they wrong, they were completely 180 degrees wrong. And that was a prediction from October to February. So the the idea that they are ever going to predict anything right that we're going to have to follow, but that's where all of this stuff goes. Now, we've been using natural gas a cleaner way to burn and to heat things. And um, in my old home, I had a gas stove, I had a gas dryer, and I had a gas water heater. And I loved it. The one thing I miss in my new house that I loved in the old place was the gas stove. Now there's places New York City wants to outlaw natural gas and new construction builds. Why? That's the new fad of what they say is bad for you. Air conditioning requirements and what the Biden administration wants to do with those with efficiencies. Cars and what they do with fuel efficiency. All of these things are meant to A, fix the planet, and B, make your life better, and they make things more expensive for the average American. They're harder to build, they're more expensive to build, and so it's a trade-off, right? I think that's the the word for it, trade-off. We can have a safer product. If you go back to who we were, and I'm not saying we should go back anywhere, but go back to where we were in our childhood. So for anybody out there that's stuck in the car with their parents listening to this or grandparents, um, when I was a child, um, side view mirrors were an option on a new car. That's a true story. Side view mirrors were optional on a vehicle. Seatbelts, no such thing as seatbelts. I stood on the seat next to my grandfather when he drove. There was a steel dashboard with foam over it, and I stood next to him in the car. My parents both smoked in the car while they were driving. Now, we've learned a lot since then, but I survived. Many people have survived. And what we've been hearing and what's been consistent throughout history with all of this stuff is that human beings are destroying the planet at an alarming rate. 
And we are less than a decade from being so far over the cliff that we'll never get it back. That's been consistent from the 1970s. And anyone out there that's a younger person, they cannot believe the blasphemy that I am speaking when it comes to the environment. Go and look up how wrong they are. Instead of looking up global warming or climate change, go look up, do a different search. Look how wrong the scientists have been since 1970. Look up the Newsweek magazine story about the great global freeze in the 1970s. All of the things we heard that by in the 1980s, we were not going to have a planet. And the reason why we weren't going to have a planet is because all of the icebergs were going to melt and Florida was going to be underwater. That didn't happen either. So all of these predictions, and I shouldn't say all of them, many of these predictions have been so wrong and absurd, and they all predict things 7 to 12 years down the road. And then when that when we get to that point, they change their predictions. That's why I'm, I'm a good steward of the planet. I want clean water. I want clean air. I'll fight for it. I'll make sure I clean up after myself. I'm going to leave it cleaner than I found it, but I'm not buying into all these big changes. All right, here's what we're going to do. Just after 11 o'clock, we're going to talk about the new things in immigration, including the announcement from the White House. So please stick around.